why church is essential. We looked last Sunday, is church essential? Then we could ask the question tonight, why is it? What's the big deal? Some go to church for relationships. Some go for fellowship. Some go for the service. Some go for Bible study. Some go for the music. Some go for the atmosphere. Some go for the preaching even. But I'd like to submit to you tonight, and I want all of us, from the pastor on down to these kids to understand this. If you go to church for any other reason than to worship God, you go for the wrong reason. One of the things God has taught me is this. Enter thy courts for Sunday school. What he said. Enter to thy courts. Sing. Well, that's part of it. Enter thy courts for the preaching sermon. No. Didn't say that. If anything, God is bringing us down to just a fundamental fact that we're to be here tonight to worship God. Now that means if we come in and we see something we don't agree with, I just can't believe they're not doing this and they're not doing that and that's what you see, then you come to church for the wrong reason. If you come to church to see what's done wrong, you come for the wrong reason. And if God's not doing anything, He's teaching us all that the reason we ought to come to church and the reason you ought to be here tonight is to worship God. Plus, minus, nothing else. A.W. Tozer said, I can safely say on the authority of all that is revealed in the Word of God that any man or woman on this earth who is bored or tuned, turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. Wow. As a matter of fact, if heaven's anything, by the way, some of you knew Lauren Harsh went to be with the Lord a uh, couple days ago, amen, living in Monroe, and uh, he went to be with the Lord. But if heaven's anything, it's a place of worship. And let me say this, if you can't worship for an hour, I, you may not want to, you may want to try to get out of going to heaven. Because if I read the Bible rightly, they're worshiping continually. And will throughout eternity be worshiping God. Matter of fact, worship is so important to God that the first 14 commandments deal exclusively with worship. No book in the Bible speaks more about worship than the book of Psalms. And no Psalm speaks more about worship than Psalms 100. Matter of fact, it is the theology of worship. 
Now when we study this psalm, we want to look and see, learn tonight three things before we leave. Number one, the who of worship. I'll go ahead and tell you now, it's not me and you. Alright? We see the why of worship. Then we're going to see the what of worship. Let me say, first of all, the who of worship. There's a God of worship. And God, being who He is, deserves our worship. As a matter of fact, we being who we are, He demands our worship. Psalms 45, 11, So shall the king greatly desire thy beauty, for he is thy Lord, and worship thou him. And you cannot worship God correctly until you know God personally. And I'm here to tell you, we're, we're, we're living a day. We are living a day that the greatest thing you can know it is not uh, the next news broadcast. The greatest thing you can know is the Lord Jesus Christ for yourself. It's to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're saved. And I need to remind us, we all need to be reminded that first of all, God is a concrete fact. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. If you're going to worship the true God and worship that true God in a true way, you must know that He is Lord. Let me stop here and say this. I hear people say, well, you need to get saved, then we make Jesus Lord. By the way, we've never made Him anything. But when He saved us, He was Lord, and He'll be Lord Will you do anything with it or not. Doesn't change Him. He's still Lord. God wants to be our Lord. Seminary professor received a call from a mother and said, my little boy, six years old, wanted to know who, uh, who made God. And he said, well, ma'am, God's always been. Nobody made him. He's always been. She said, he's six years old. He won't understand that. And he said, when he's 60 years old, he won't understand that. And that's a reality. See, the foundational truth of the Old Testament is this. Jehovah's God, the foundational truth of the New Testament is Jesus is God. And the foundational truth of the Bible, Jehovah is Jesus. So you need to understand something. He's God of the Old Testament. He's God of the New Testament. Hey, praise God, He's just God. And he says that he needs to be worshipped. He deserves worship. That's a concrete fact. God is not only a concrete fact, but he's a creating force. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. It is he that has made us. Statement here refers primarily to Israel and started with a man named Abraham and had a son named Isaac and he had a son named Jacob and then he's had 12 sons and the 12 tribes of Israel and become a nation. But may I say this, it applies 
to every every person. It is He that made us, and not we ourselves. Now let me ask you a question. I, I love this story. One day, uh, years years ago, a man bought a Ford. And he, he quit what running. Can you imagine that? <laughs> Amen. And uh, I'm not, I'm not going to poke fun at you. But anyway, he quit running. And the old man pulled up behind him in the great big Lincoln car. Got out there and he walked up there. He said, son, can I help you? He said, old man, said, you, you can't help me. You can't help me. So the old man just got in his car and left. And then finally got running. He stopped at the station. He's telling the man what happened. He said, well, my Lord, you should have let him help you. The man was Henry Ford. He created the car. He created the car. He designed the car. And he could fix the car. Can I help you? Can I give you some good news? It'll help some of you if you believe you, pastor. I know you, some of you are going to believe a newscaster of you, pastor, but that's okay. I still love you. You're a little hard to love some. I still love you. I'm gonna love, I, I am purposed. I'm gonna love these people here. I don't care what they do. Here's the thing. You know what? I believe there's a God that can keep us safe in this pandemic. I do. Why? Because He made us. He made us. You, you, you stop and think how you're made. Um, Sir Francis Crick won a Nobel Prize for his discovery of DNA. Every cell in your body carries equivalent to a library of 4,000 volumes. One cell. Multiply that by 30 trillion and imagine one human body having uh, that amount of genetic information and you can understand that any rational person would have to say, it is He who has made us and not we ourselves. It's amazing. The Bible says we're wonderfully made. God's a concrete fact. God's a creating force. But then God's a compassionate Father. We are His people and the sheep of His pastor. It's God that created us. And he didn't, when he created us, folded his arms and said, okay, you're on your own. No. God just didn't turn us loose to be on our own. As a matter of fact, he's a, as a father, he's a provider. As a shepherd, he's a protector. That's why faith should always be victorious over fear. And one of the great battles that ground today in hearts a people that are saved, or so they say they're saved, is the great battleground that's raging in them. In them is faith versus fear. Will the fear be predominant and in, in walk around in a nervous jerk all the time? Or will faith prevail and they believe God for all this stuff? And you will live in one of the two. The two can't coexist one will be in control. One's going to be in control. Not both. One. And so many are allowing fear. Many years ago, a man hired a worker. And he's interviewing people. Finally, a man came up and said, If you hire me, you can sleep on a stormy night. 
Well, that intrigued the farmer, so he hired him. Sure enough, one night, they had a terrible storm. Wind blowing, rain. He jumped up, put on his clothes, and dashed outside to check on his farm. He ran to the chicken coop, and everything was fine. He ran to the barn, everything was shut up, windows, everything locked tight. He, he, he ran to uh, his other building, and everything was good. And then he remembered what that man had told him. If you hire me, you can sleep on a stormy night. And you know what? Praise God. When we trust Jesus, we can sleep on a stormy night. He'll provide. God provides and God protects. But notice that's the God of worship. Now you've got to get settled on the God of worship because you'll never do the goal of worship until you're settled on the God of worship. Do you hear what I said? Until you're settled on the God of worship, you will never do the goal of worship. Now watch to, to worship. Then we've got to do it correctly. The Bible says that we must worship Him in spirit and in truth. So now what, how do we worship? Now I've had a lot of people um, and days gone by critical because of their perception of what worship is. Everybody's got their own perception. Some people, and, and I'm not, I'm not booing this out, please. I'm not booing you out if you want to. It doesn't bother me. Doesn't bother me. But some people believe you're not worshiping unless you're shouting. What about that dear saint that weeps through a service? Is that worship? Is that person that God nudges your heart to give the last ten dollars to a mission and they reach in a billfold and give it gladly? Is that worship? What is worship? See, there's a lot of different ideals about worship. Well, I, you, you're not going to have to wonder about it because God tells us how to worship. First of all, and it's going to blow your mind. It's going to blow your mind about what you think worship is. First of all, it's a spirit of appreciation. Enter into His gate with... What's the next word? Real, I mean loudly. Enter in for the preaching, a Sunday school lesson, a song. That's not the first thing on his list. The first thing on his list is for us to walk in and sit down, look up to heaven, and say, Lord, I just want to take a moment and thank you for being good to me. I want to thank you. I, that I, I I'm not going to share that testimony, but I, I would love to one day. And uh, unless you nod your head, I can. I can. Are you sure? Are you absolutely sure? Okay. I got and I and, and you noticed I would not do that to embarrass her. You either one, because I I take it very personal. But Tuesday morning, Monday morning. God takes 
And Rosemary struggled to come to church Sunday night. To be here. And some of you struggled. And I don't take that lightly. I don't want you to struggle. Sometimes people do. But she came anyway. She came anyway. While she's sitting through this service, sometime in that service, Kenny went on a call with his three, his buddy with MS. And somebody fired shot him and just missed his head by inches. And her testimony was, I wonder if the outcome had been different had I not been here. See, we need to we need to learn something. Thanksgiving is a little thing, but it's never a small thing. I said Thanksgiving is a little thing, but it's never a small thing. And God said, we ought to enter in and be thankful, a spirit of appreciation. I I guess what challenges my heart so many times and it's okay, but it does challenge me. And because, uh, uh, please, this is going to sound very selfish. Please, it really is. Someone say, "I tell you, I can't believe they done this, done this, done this, something they disagreed with," and 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 I want to scream. But did you hear the message? Did you hear what God said? And I just want to scream that sometimes. Because that's what's important. I don't do everything I think I ought to do sometimes. I don't agree with me sometimes. But I always agree with Him. See, the reality is, when we come... As a matter of fact, in 1987, 1987, nearly half the population, 2.3 billion people, existed on an income roughly of one U.S. dollar per day. In 1987, 2.3 billion people lived of less than one dollar a day. We eat more food in a day than much of the earth world will eat in a month. We drive air-conditioned automobiles forgetting that billions of people have never seen a car. The vast majority of Americans sit down to a table full of food and never bowing their head to thank God for nothing. Thanksgiving is the music that brightens the face of God. Thanksgiving is a spark that warms the heart of God and it's love. Thanksgiving is a love that kisses the hand of God. I, I love Pastor Faction attacked by this woman. She was mean, negative, critical, and she's just ugly. And he was just all tore up. I mean, every service, every service. And he called his dad and said, Dad, what do I do? He said, Son, here's what you do. The next time she walks in, take her by the hand, drop to your knees, and say, Oh, thank God 
I'm not married to you. I wouldn't do that. Don't worry. <laughs> the reality is, Lord teaches. Lord teaches. Lord teaches to be appreciative. That's what will be happening tonight. We ought to appreciate the opportunity God gave us to walk in these doors again. Oh, we could. We should. Spirit of adoration is coursed with praise. Coursed with praise. Spirit of acclamation. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name. We ought to bless God. We ought to praise God. And the answer is found in Psalms 105. For the Lord is good. How good is the Lord? His mercy is everlasting and His truth endures to all generations. There's the God of worship, the goal of worship, but then the glory. We, we have seen the who, we've seen the how, now we're going to see the what. Number one, notice what He said. We are to shout gleefully, enter into, uh, make a joyful noise into the Lord, all ye lands. Now that's going to mess us up. Because there's no room in that statement for complaints. There's no room there for complaining. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. I mean... Make a joyful noise. Oh, come, let's sing to the Lord. Let's make joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. We're to serve Him gladly. And serve the Lord with gladness. First comes the shouting, then the serving. First comes worship, then the work. And it's worship that puts joy in your work. If we truly worship the Lord... He'll give you joy in the work that you do for Him. A teacher was asking first graders what they did at home. Once that I feed, I dry dishes. I, I feed the dog. Once that I work, I vacuum. Another didn't say anything. And he finally, his teacher said, what do you do? He said, I stay out of the way. And you know what's sad? That's what a lot of Christians do. They stay out of the way. That's all. We'll shout gleefully. We're to serve gladly, but we're to sing glowingly. For the first time Sunday night, our church sung. Did you sense that? How many of you knew for the first time we sung? I mean, we really sung. We came before His presence with singing. I mean, by the way, you ought to, when we sung earlier, I noticed there's a few of you didn't sing. You ought to. It'll help your face. Really? Yeah, I'm, I'm saying it will help your face. I'm not joking. Now you're there. I'm not. It, it will. See, I just said the words. It's already helping some of your faces. It will help your face. It's documented fact. When we sing, it's good for you and it's good for the muscles in your face. It works. Oh my goodness. Uh, oh Lord have mercy. National, the National Institute of Aging found that professional singers, now listen ladies, professional singers 
particularly opera singers, have the healthiest lungs in America and have the prettiest face of all. In a sense, their face doesn't wrinkle because they're, they're, work, they're working the face. They're working the muscles. And so it's amazing. Let me say in closing, worship is a spirit, God's spiritual smoke detector. And it determines where you are with the Lord in your heart. Number one, you're either cold. Matthew 24, 12 says we can be cold. We can be lukewarm according to Revelation 3, 14. But let me tell you what God wants you to be. In, Matthew, in John chapter 5, in verse 35, this is what Jesus said about John the Baptist. Here's what he said. But he was a burning and a shining light. And you were willing for a season to rejoice in that light. You can either be cold, you can be lukewarm, or you can be burning and be a shining light for the glory of God. And I'm convinced the people that worship, the people that worship, burn. And in burning, you, you, you give yourself. That burning job is like a candle. It wasn't like a, a light bulb. It's like a candle. And the more it burned, the more it consumed of itself. And so worship, I'm convinced the people that worship are the people that are burning Lukewarm people rarely worship. And cold people never worship. May we, in these next few weeks, may we learn the great lessons of worship. And may we worship Him. He's worthy. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Let's all stand to our feet.